Hey, uh, this is sermon time, by the way, now. Uh, did I ever tell you guys the story about when Lee was a little kid in Sunday school? Well, Lee was in Sunday school once, and he was a little boy, just a young lad, and uh, I wasn't the preacher then, but, uh, but Lee was in Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher had a really neat lesson about the names of God. They had a really neat lesson about the names of God, and so the teacher started saying, hey, does anybody know some of the different names for God? And she said, just if you know some, just go ahead and say some. And so some of the kids said, well, God, yes, you're right, Jesus, right? Is Holy Spirit a right answer? Yes, yes, yes. Emmanuel, because it was close to Christmas time, and so, you know, God with us. And, and so several different kids offered several different answers, and finally the teacher said, would anybody else like to... To, to give an, an answer, and, and Lee kind of very hesitantly raised his hand, and, and the teacher said, yes, Lee, and he said, Howard, and she said, what do you mean, Howard, and he said, well, Howard, you ask for a name for God, Howard, she said, Lee, where in the world did you get Howard as a name for God, and he said, well, ma'am, it says it right there in the Bible. Our Father, who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. Hey, I am glad that you are here today. Uh, that's a terrible joke. <laughs> I realize that. I'm glad you're here today, though. We are in a sermon series. We're studying through the Old Testament festivals, the festivals that God had commanded, and we're calling it Party People. Because one thing that becomes abundantly clear as we study through these different feasts and festivals is that God has commanded His people to celebrate. And as we study those, there's something that's been very clear to me. We don't serve a boring God. We don't serve a quiet and reserved God. We serve a God who loves a party. And so maybe you're here today and you don't know much about God. Maybe you're here today and you thought God's name was Howard. Maybe you think of church as being solemn, and serious, and downcast. Maybe you grew up in a church and you looked around and everybody just seemed a little grumpy about something. And that's how you learned to think about church. It's not a place to have fun. It's not a place to be joyful. It's not a church. It's not a place to celebrate. It's a place to be solemn and serious. And yet I read the Old Testament and I hear David say these words, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord and worship. Maybe you never thought of church as some place you'd be glad to go. Maybe for you it's more like going to the dentist. Nobody gets excited about going to the dentist. Nobody gets excited about it. You don't anticipate it. You don't hop out of bed in the morning and say, I was glad they said let's go to the house of dentistry. It's something you do because you feel like you have to. And you come up with excuses. You put it off for as long as possible and eventually your mom or your wife says, go. And you get there and you know the dentist is going to make you feel bad because you haven't been in too long. You should come more often. And you know you're going to walk out a little beat up. You know you're going to have to give them money. And you're going to have to lie about how soon you'll come back. 
Some of you going, are we talking about the dentist or church? (laughs) Exactly. For some of you, the only thing you know about God is his name isn't Howard and that he's really pretty boring. Can I just tell you that's not the God I serve? Can I just tell you that's not the God I serve? I serve a joyful, loving God who wants to celebrate and wants us to celebrate. And can I tell you, we always have a reason to celebrate. His name is Jesus. That's why Paul wrote these words. He said, rejoice always. Pray continually in all circumstances. Give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now that doesn't mean It doesn't mean that life's always going to be sunshine and roses. And when it says rejoice always, it doesn't mean that you have to plaster a fake smile on your face and say, I'm doing just fine today. How about you? It means that no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what's going on in our lives, good or bad, up or down, storm or calm seas, no matter what's going on in our lives, we know that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's what it means to be party people. Today we're going to study the festival of Pentecost, and my hope for you is that you'll leave here today with a greater understanding of why we're a party people. So we're going to start in Leviticus chapter 23, if you want to open up your Bibles, or I'll have all the scripture up here on the screen for you in the New Living Translation. Leviticus 23, starting in verse 15, this is what God has to say about this party. From the day after the Sabbath, the day that you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later. Then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves of bread to be lifted up before the Lord as a special offering. Make these loaves from four quarts of choice flour and then bake them with yeast. There'll be an offering to the Lord. From the first of your crops, along with the bread, present seven one-year-old male lambs with no defect, one bull and two rams as burnt offerings to the Lord. These burnt offerings, together with the grain offerings and liquid offerings, will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Then you must offer one male goat as a sin offering and two one-year-old male lambs as a peace offering. And the priests will lift up the two lambs as a special offering to the Lord, and together with the loaves, representing the first of your crops, these offerings, which are holy to the Lord, belong to the priests. That same day will be proclaimed as an official day for holy assembly, a day on which you do no ordinary work. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. When you harvest the crops of the land, do not harvest the grain along the edge of your field and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. There's a lot there, but those are God's instructions for throwing this particular party. Uh, And we've got three things that we need to accomplish today uh, based on this text right here. So... um, 
First, we're going to look at some of the important details of God's commands regarding the festival. And then we're going to look at two different ways that we apply it in our lives. So let's start with some groundwork. Uh, We call this the festival of Pentecost. Pentecost. It, It comes from the Greek word for 50, pente. Pentecost was 50 days after the festival of first fruits. And so uh, if you were here with us last week, we talked about first fruits and what it was. First fruits was a celebration of what God was going to do. Right? It was right as the barley began to come in, the very first crop that was going to come in, and the very first of that they offered to God. And they said, God, thank you for the harvest that you are going to bring in the future. Now, 50 days later, they come back and they say, God, thank you for what you have done. And so it's connected with this, uh, this festival of first fruits, Pentecost, 50 days later. In fact, in Hebrew, it was called Atzareth, or the concluding festival. It was the conclusion of the harvest. And so this this festival is about the harvest that God brings throughout the year. But as with all of the festivals we've looked at, we'll see that while it is about what's right in front of us, it's about so much more. In fact, when they celebrated Pentecost, they were celebrating Jesus. I just didn't know it yet. Each week we've seen an indication that these festivals and feasts were about Jesus. Pentecost is no exception. So they celebrated Jesus and they didn't know it. Church, we celebrate Jesus and we do know it. That's why we're a party people. So let's talk about some of the offerings and we'll get a glimpse of Jesus here. So uh, there were seven lambs that were offered as part of the sacrifice. Seven lambs as well as a bull and two rams. So seven is a number that's important in the Bible. It signifies completeness. Uh, think about the, the creation story. Seven days, right? And then God said, it is complete. Seven lambs were sacrificed. And this points to the fact that one day the sacrifices would be completed. There was coming a day when there would no longer be a need to sacrifice animals for people's sins. There would one day be a completion to the sacrificial system. And as Jesus hung on the cross, as the Lamb of God hung on the cross, one of the last things He said was, it is finished. It's finished. It is finished complete. This final sacrifice, it wasn't seven lambs. It was the Lamb of God. It was the life of God offered for us. There's no longer a need for a sacrifice because the perfect sacrifice has been offered. It is complete. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, what's complete? What, what's complete? What, is, what needed to be finished? What needed to be taken care of? I'd like to answer that now for us by talking about the bread. And that's going to help us understand what exactly has been finished. So the people were to bake two loaves of bread and offer them to God. Two loaves of bread. And remember, two is important. We're going to come back to that here in a little bit. And they were to make these uh, loaves of bread with leaven. 
Does that seem a little bit strange? If you've been here for this sermon series, that probably seems a little odd. They were to make these two loaves of bread very specifically with leaven. And some of you are going, well, wait a minute, Tony. You spent the last three weeks saying leaven is an illustration for sin. It, it talks about... It talks about Jesus says it all the time. And you're right. Leaven is an illustration for sin. Leaven makes the bread more bitter and sour. It increases the volume of the bread without giving it any more substance. It puffs it up. Right? Yes, leaven is an illustration for sin. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yes, leaven is an illustration for sin. God commands the people to offer bread baked with leaven here for a very simple reason. Because we are full of leaven. Because we are full of sin. And that's the only way we can go before God. If I'm going to come before God, I have to come to grips with the fact that I am a sinner. If you want to come before God, you have to come to grips with the fact that you are a sinner. Now, most of us are comfortable with saying that we've done something wrong at some point. Most of us are comfortable with saying, yes, I've told a lie, I've been a little too prideful, I held a grudge, talked about somebody behind their back, whatever, I lost my temper. You're probably comfortable saying, yeah, I'm not perfect, but we all have a tendency to rationalize it, to lessen the blow. We say, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not a bad guy. We don't understand that sin is like leaven. It affects every aspect of our being. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. See, when we introduce leaven into the dough, it begins to combine with the dough. Very quickly it gets to the point where there's not a distinction between the leaven and the dough. It was unleavened bread, now it's leavened. Bread. Let me illustrate it for you. This is our unleavened bread, right? Pure, lovely, yellow. It's got sunshine in its soul today, right? Very good. Here's our leaven. The two are separate, the two are distinct. What happens if I put this together? First of all, some of you are going, please don't do this. Right? How do we separate the two? See, we don't have two things anymore. We don't have yellow Play-Doh and pink Play-Doh. We have this new Play-Doh. See, when sin is introduced into our lives, we aren't a righteous person who has sinned. We are all of the sudden something new entirely a sinner this is what sin does in our lives this is why Jesus says a little leaven leavens the whole lump when leaven is introduced into the bread it's not unleavened bread with leaven on it it is leavened bread something new entirely that's what sin does in our lives and the only way to get the leaven out of the bread is to get new bread the way to get the sin out of our lives is to get new life. That's why Jesus said, I have come to bring life. That's why Jesus said, die to yourselves. Rise to walk in newness of life. 
See, Jesus was having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, and he said it this way. He said, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. And Nicodemus scoffed at Jesus. He said, what What do you mean, Jesus? How can I be born again? How can I enter a second time into my mother's womb? What do you mean, be born again? And Jesus replied this way, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So the only way... The only way to get the sin out of our life is to get a new life. This is no longer going to cut it. You can spend the rest of your life trying to get the pink Play-Doh out of this yellow, but you're never going to end up with a lump of yellow Play-Doh again. The only way to get rid of it is to get a new life. And that is exactly what Jesus offers. New life. Quit trying to pick out the sin from your life and let Jesus give you new life. We have to die and be born again. We have to, we have to what? We have to, we have to die and be born again? How can I die and then live? Now all of a sudden we're starting to sound like Nicodemus. How can I die and then live again? Do me a favor, don't think of this medically. Okay, I, Some of you in here are in the medical profession, some of the rest of you watch Grey's Anatomy, don't think about this medically because you know that if somebody dies, all you got to do is charge the paddles to 220 and then boom, back to life. Okay, That's not what Jesus is talking about here. We don't have to die physically to gain new life. We don't have to die because Jesus died. He died. He died was punished for my sin. He was punished for your sin. He died. And what he said right before was, it is finished. No more leaven. Three days later, he came back to life. And his death and resurrection offer us an opportunity. Instead of getting to the point where we have no pulse, we participate in the death of Jesus. And that sounds better to me. That sounds better to me because how did death work out for Jesus? It didn't. See, death gave Jesus its best, best shot. And Jesus said, I'm alive. See, when we are baptized, that is our participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And just as Jesus rose from the grave through the glory of the Father, so we too might live a new life free from the leaven of sin. That's what Pentecost points to. That's what Pentecost points to, a day where there's no need for further sacrifice because Jesus has sacrificed a day where we are free from the leaven of sin. And by the way, this is a, a conversation that very, very much mirrors one that took place in Acts chapter 2. And I don't know if it's just a restoration movement thing, but we really like Acts chapter 2, specifically verses 37 and 38. Right? Peter's preaching a sermon, and he is getting after it. First gospel sermon. And, and, and he gets to the end, and the people say, Ah! We know we messed up. We know we sinned. What do we got to do? And Peter and the rest of the apostles, they say, repent and be baptized, each one of you, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of Holy Spirit. 
We love that. That's a great conversation. That's a great sermon. And that's the conversation we've been having here today. By the way, that's not an accident at all. It's not an accident at all. Acts chapter 2 fell on a Jewish holy day. Any idea which holy day it fell on? Pentecost. Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 fell on the day of Pentecost. There was another one. Another important day in Bible history that fell on Pentecost. Any idea what that one was? When Moses went up to Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19 to receive the law written on stone tablets, that fell on the day of Pentecost. And it's interesting... It's interesting to me to compare those two days. So we're not going to take the time to read through both of those accounts, but there are some interesting correlations there that I don't think are coincidence. Let me, let me show you a few. In Exodus, when Moses, went, uh, when Moses went up the mountain to God, in Acts, God came down to us. In Exodus, Moses had to go up to God. In Acts, God came down to us, not because we're holy, not because we're worthy, but because God realizes that we can't cut it. We can't go up the mountain to him. He had to come down to us. In Exodus, there was fire and rushing wind, and all the people were terrified. In Acts, there was fire and rushing wind, but all the people were convicted. Let's play on that one a little bit more. Out of fear, the Israelites in Exodus said, God, we will do everything you've told us, even though they couldn't. In Acts, out of conviction, they said, what must we do? In Exodus, the incident with the golden calf saw 3,000 people lose their lives. In Acts, 3,000 people were given new life as they were baptized. In Exodus, God wrote the law on stone tablets. In Acts, God wrote the law on man's heart. In Exodus, it was just the Israelites. In Acts, it was people from all over the world. From all over the world. Remember the two loaves of bread from earlier? Talked about that, the two loaves of bread. One of those two loaves represents the nation of Israel. The, rest, or the other loaf of bread represents people from all over the world. And this is what I love. Both of those loaves were baked with leaven. Both of those loaves were baked with leaven. It's a beautiful picture because, because let's say that we sliced each loaf and then mixed up all of the loaves and we've got a table with bread all over it. And we pick up two loaves of bread and we say, which loaf did this come from? The one on the left or the one on the right? You can't tell because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means that nobody is better than anybody. Being an Israelite didn't make people more holy. Being an American doesn't make us more holy. We are all people who desperately need Jesus so that we can have new life. But because of Jesus, in the same way that the world shares the identity of sin, we share the identity of Christ. Apostle Paul said it beautifully in Galatians chapter 3. Here's what he said. He said, all of you who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
So we can take these two loaves of bread again. We can hold them up and we can say, which one came from the loaf on the left? Which one came from the loaf on the right? And you know what the answer is? It doesn't matter because we are all one in Christ Jesus. That is why we are the party people of God. That is why we celebrate because there is no more leaven of sin in us. There is only Christ in us. And so it doesn't matter where you come from. As long as you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, we will celebrate that for as long as we live. God commanded the people to rejoice in what he had done. That command is even more applicable for us today. So church, rejoice in what God has done. He has taken me from here to here. Rejoice in that. There's one more thing that God says about Pentecost. And worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up if you want. One more thing that God says about Pentecost. That same day, verse 21, that same day will be proclaimed as an official day for holy assembly, a day on which no ordinary work will be done. Here's what God says. Don't do any regular work. Don't do any regular work. Here's the idea behind it. It's very simple. The people of Israel were to rest in the work that God had done. Here's why that matters for us. We cannot earn the favor of God. We cannot earn the favor of God. We can play this game. We can say, well, I'm, I'm more good than I am bad. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I'm way better than so-and-so. And all of those ideas, all of those ways that we try to justify our behavior are like trying to pick the leaven out of our lives little by little. And we can say this for the rest of our lives. I'm more good than I am bad. Well, that doesn't cut it. Instead, we must rest in the work that Jesus has finished. We don't say, I'm better than so-and-so. I'm more good than I am bad. Instead, we say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. In Exodus, the people said, God, we will do everything that you've said, even though they couldn't. We ask the question, what shall we do? And Peter's answer is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. What shall you do? Repent and be baptized, each one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of Holy Spirit. You will be forgiven, not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus has done. So the invitation of Pentecost is very simple. Do no more work. Recognize that you can't earn your salvation. Instead, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. This is where we say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm full of leaven and I come before you full of leaven asking that you would cleanse me. That you would purify me. By the way, that happens in baptism. And then, what do we do? We rejoice in the forgiveness He brings. Some of you are here today, and the only thing you know about God is that his name isn't Howard. You've been struggling for a long time. I hope today that you've learned that God loves you. I hope that you learn today that God loves you, not people that you think of as better 
than you. He loves you specifically, and He wants to know you. And He went to great lengths to know you. And right now, He is waiting for you. So would you meet Him? Would you meet Him there? Today, I offer you the invitation of Pentecost. Do no more work. Offer yourself to God and rejoice in the work that He's finished. So if you need to do that today, we'll meet right here and we can baptize you today. But now let's stand and sing together.